2: Good evening, rifflers. This is Riffs and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast where we go to many 5e books and talk about various rules and enhance your gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of Riffwake.
3: And I'm Remy, a player on Riffwake and a Dungeon Master myself! And today, we're here to finally talk to you about
2: Goodberry!
3: Nathan, Yay. what is
2: Goodberry! Goodberry is like a berry, but it's good. That is correct. Uh, In all honesty, Goodberry is honestly a very
3: simple, low, I mean, first level spell, and yet one that is arguably one of the most game breaking spells. If you do extrapolate out a lot of implications over a rather extended period so, Nathan, what can you actually tell me about what Goodberry does?
2: does? Uh, get 10 berries, each berry, uh, no need to eat for the rest of the day, after you eat that one berry. Correct. Also, though, it, each berry is able to heal one hit point as well. I mean, that doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, it
3: might. It is absolutely worth noting, though. But both of those are worth talking about. But exactly why it's world-breaking, I will absolutely talk about in depth rather shortly. Uh, Nathan, can you tell me who can cast Goodberry?
2: Uh, Anyone and everyone. <laughs> uh, druids? I mean, with a magic item. Uh, yeah, druid is correct for one. Bards? Nope. Whoa. Wizards? Nope. What? Okay. No for wizards. Oh, I see. Clerics? Nope. Whoa. So uh, is that? Is this druid set? Nope. Then what? Druids and rangers are able to cast Whoa. Goodberry. Rangers?
3: rangers i mean the naturey boys so it is those connected with nature that typically are able to cast goodberry however you are right that there are ways for other people to be able to cast it as well so from the magic item perspective there's the helm of the gods from uh the mythic odysseys of theros that uh, if you are a worshiper of karametra that you gain the ability to cast goodberry with that helmet. Uh, there is, of
2: course, the Kama- karametra object. sounds like I a don't really fucking shit... Know. Like a really shit version of the Kama Sutra. <laughs> Like somebody was like, you hey, know, I, better, need you? I need to come up a name. I need to come up a name. So, me and my wife have been reading this very interesting anyway. book. Anyway! <laughs> Other
3: way, though. Uh, actually, from Eberron, uh, there are the Dragonmark sub- cl- er, sub-race options. So there is the Mark of Hospitality Halfling that gains the ability to cast Goodberry as one of their spells of the mark. So any spellcaster who is a Mark of Hospitality Halfling can potentially cast this spell. And that's one that I want to just put a bookmark in because that one is probably the easiest way to break the world. So we'll get back to that in a little bit. Uh, Out of curiosity, Nathan, can you name any other ways that a character might be able to gain
2: Goodberry? Uh, Assaulting a druid and forcing him to cast a spell.
3: No, no, the ability to cast it, not to have it cast for you.
2: Oh, damn it. Uh, No idea. Uh, You abuse a druid and steal his powers. And how do you do that by rules as written? Uh, You punch him real hard. And this is why Nathan does not have (laughs) any superpowers. Thank goodness. (laughs) Wait, Remy, you have superpowers? Shit, man. No comment. (laughs) No, the other way, though, would be
3: the magic initiate feat, which lets you learn two cantrips and a first level spell. But again, like there are a number of revisions to rules recently. So what I'm about to say is rather fuzzy, but it is still worth throwing out there. A lot of the newer rules from Tasha tasha's release onwards has mentioned the fact that learning a spell from other sources adds it to your spell list and allows you to cast it with your other spell slots the magic initiate feat does not have that text because it is from the original player's handbook however the idea that if you take the magic initiate feat and can't use your spell slots to, to cast the spell you learned is silly. So the rules interpretation that I prefer personally is that if you do learn a spell with Magic Initiate, then you can use your spell slots to cast a spell. That is my interpretation. Your worlds may vary, but that is the interpretation that I will be going forward with farther through this episode. So Magic Initiate, what that actually does, though, you can just pick a class and learn a couple cantrips and one spell from that class list. So you can use that to take Magic Initiate Druid to gain a couple of cantrips as well as the Goodberry spell. So there are ways for theoretically any class to gain Goodberry, whether it is through Magic Initiate or whether it is through being a Mark of Hospitality Halfling. So that being said, the spell itself isn't immediately broken in most circumstances. The fact that it does use a first level spell slot To conjure 10 berries, each of which is able to sustain a creature for a full day, is something that some dungeon masters hate. Uh, Nathan, can you tell me why there are dungeon masters who dislike the spell?
2: Because they love numbers and counting food packets in your bag.
3: I mean, not how I would have phrased it, but yeah. It's kind of hard to have, like a hard trek through the desert or in some inhospitable, snowy, cold place where there's nothing alive. If you just have a druid in the party, it's like, oh, yeah, I cast Goodberry. We're good. Fuck. Like, it's it's real easy for that to just break that kind of immersive atmosphere of like tension of, you know, not having a lot of food if you do just have Goodberry. So Nathan, can you tell me going farther? Why is it that I say that Goodberry can break a world? Uh, unlimited food! Yay! Well, how? There's only so many people that can cast Goodberry. No idea. That's your job. I'm curious. (laughs) (laughs) True. But how many people would you say, like, could cast Goodberry in a city? Keeping in mind, druids and rangers are the classes that gain access to the spell, and I'm not sure how many of those would be in the city. Uh... So let's say you've got a population of 10,000 in some rather large city. Right. How many people do you think would actually be able to cast Goodberry? Whether it is through magic initiate, whether there are some like city druids or rangers who are just passing through perhaps or live there, whatever the case may be. Let's just say they're there for
2: the sake of argument. All right.
3: Halflings, people with magic initiate, druids, rangers. How many people do you think could cast Goodberry?
2: I'd say uh, 50 guys.
3: All right. So, for the sake of argument, let's just say that all 50 of them cast Goodberry once, and even were kind enough to just hand out the berries. Okay, so that's 500 berries that are able to make people not need food for the day, and potentially can give one hit point of healing per berry. Uh, Also, I should mention, just for the record at least, Uh, There is a caveat to Goodberry that they lose their potency if not consumed within 24 hours of casting. So you cannot stockpile Goodberry, unfortunately. At least, normally you can't. But again, we'll get back to that later. So, okay. So one casting of all 50 of those people, and you have 500 berries. So something that is worth keeping in mind regarding the healing aspect of Goodberry... One hit point of healing is not a lot to most adventurers' perspectives. However, it is enough to wake up someone who's unconscious. So if you have, let's say, a workplace accident, someone is like, reduced to zero hit points but not killed outright, Goodberry, force-fed to that person, would wake them up with one hit point, and they would not have to roll death-saving throws to potentially die. So workplace accidents would be a fantastic use, potentially, of
2: Goodberry for commoners. You know, there are no workplace accidents when when you have magic healing berries. I mean, there's still accidents, there's just less workplace fatalities We don't from need accidents. to report it, no.
3: I mean, honestly, that could be a pretty interesting story. Imagine if there is some horribly unsafe workplace in some D&D town. However, they just <laughs> That's have like, a ranger on staff... <laughs> Who's just kept on retainer and their job is to just hang out and cast Goodberry once a day. And then like, whatever shit goes wrong, which it does all the time, they just heal the people up. And then like, how do you deal with that kind of thing? Like if your world even has workplace suits or workman's comp or any such thing, like if you do have it covered up by magical healing, like how would that get dealt? Like that could honestly be a pretty interesting story in my eyes. (laughs) Anyway. So, and again, like one workplace with one ranger could very easily save a lot of gold on lawsuits. But anyway, my mind just got distracted by that. Sorry. So the thing is, yeah. So one casting would, of 50 guys, 500 berries, which is a colossal amount, even in you know a relatively large city. Like, think about how much healing 500 hit points of healing citywide would be. That is not a small amount. Or... On the other side of things, not thinking about the healing, but the nourishment aspect. 500 people that don't need to pay for food. And again, there's a couple of angles that you could take with that approach. So number one would just be that, okay, people who are down on their luck, like instead of having a soup kitchen, you know, you'd have a good berry stall and people could just come by, pick up a berry. And there would be no malnutrition for the disenfranchised and the people just down on their luck. Like people who are just in a unfortunate life situation to just not need to pay for food is quite something. However, uh, actually, let me tangent a little bit more away from that for a moment. Hey, Nathan, how Mm -hmm. much does food cost?
2: Absolutely nothing. It's free. Again, you can you you just walk up to a guy, and be like, "Give me all your food and put Nathan. it in this bag." <laughs> uh, We're like, not what? talking about you two robbing coffers. people. Two coppers maybe. <sighs> right? Hey, Nathan, what's the formula that I usually tend to use for gold? Uh, one gold piece is two thousand billion dollars. Nathan, <laughs> two hundred dollars, I think. No, half a hundred dollars. A hundred dollars. A hundred. That's the math that I use for good reason.
3: So if you presume $100 is one gold piece, how much do you think a daily food cost could be? And there is a range to this, so you have a few ways to get a right answer.
2: How how much does food normally cost?
3: (laughs) Oh, that's right. You haven't lived on your own before. I mean, I know know, I would. (laughs) I, I wouldn't. Okay. So the range in the player's handbook is three copper to two gold, depending on the quality that. Which okay. actually kind of checks out if you think about it, because three copper would be three dollars. So theoretically, a dude. person could live off cheap ramen for very cheap. It's not going to be great nutrition. Ramen. They are not going to be in great physical health over a long MSG period is of time. Good for you guys. They could theoretically survive off of that, and that is the squalid lifestyle according to the expenses chart, which is appropriate. So, so you're telling me I'm living a squalid lifestyle, Remy? If you eat ramen for every meal and it's like cup ramen not good ramen well uh, i'm sad to say i'm almost there but not quite (laughs) okay so then the next version up would be a poor poor lifestyle for six copper so like six dollars of food a day and then there's a massive jump after that though from poor to modest so modest has Three silver pieces a day, which would be 30 US dollars a day. And of course, above that, you, you know, comfortable, five silver a day, wealthy, eight silver a day, then aristocratic, two gold a day. Whoa, that's a so, lot of money. Yeah, so that would be the equivalent of spending $200 a day at least on food, which people Crazy. do. I can't conceive of that, but yeah, it is done.
2: Yeah. Wouldn't that be like, you know, only for like an event that feels more so like. <laughs> nope. No, uh, there are you, nice. You know, today I'm going down to the local five star Michelin star restaurant. Well, star. or just That's like, not a thing. oh
3: yes, I have a private <laughs> chef on retainer who prepares private all of chef. my meals. I pay him two hundred thousand dollars a year, plus you know the cost of ingredients, of course. So yeah, yeah, it's it's real easy to actually hit that number for rich people. Huh. But anyway, we're not talking about rich people today. No, <laughs> god damn it. Nate. So. I'm trying to figure out what would be appropriate to consider Goodberry the equivalent of. And my logic for that, it is full and complete nourishment for the day. I would debate that a squalid or poor lifestyle is not perfect nutrition. So, I would say modest would be a logical baseline to use as to what goodberry is able to replace. So, it replaces 3 meals of 1 silver each, which makes sense for that 3 silver modest total. So, if you assume that a goodberry, and that's just assuming based on the minimum replacement value for the meal, disregarding the healing, disregarding, you know, price of magic. This is just to set a baseline minimum So using that 0.3 silver, or sorry, 3 silver, 0.3 gold. So 3 silver times, we said 500 berries. So that would be 1,500 silver, which would be 150 gold that is not being spent for food from people. So if you think about if there was such a thing as like a good berry stall in some sufficiently wealthy city, like set up for people. That would mean, then, that one person who's saving three silver a day, 365 days, that would mean in one year, they would save 109.5 gold pieces. So, for a commoner, that is massive. And that is for one person for one year. So, okay, I'll let you bring the rich people into things for just a moment. How do you think that rich people would feel about commoners not spending gold?
2: No, because that's my money. Your money's my money. Because you're supposed to give me your money so that I can have money, you know? I, I gotta have your money so that I got money. And this is why the real world sucks. <laughs> Anyways. Hopefully, in your D&D world,
3: you can choose, at least in some places, maybe just Make a it city? worse. To make it better, to make it less shitty, to let there just be some group or organization or some such that aren't such colossal assholes. So that's just having people cast once, though. Let's say that this is something that is organized and it is like an actual group devoted to helping people. Okay, so we also talked up only about one single casting per person. So using that 10,000 number, and you said 50 guys? Yep. So, yeah, that's not exactly a large fraction of the population. So, that would be what, half a percent of the population able to cast Goodberry, which I think is actually fairly reasonable in like a medium to high magic world. So, let's go farther though. Let's say that they're able to cast it more often because. Even someone who's at first level has two first level spell slots, uh, going by druid for the most part, by the way. So okay, so even someone who's first level can can cast it twice. But then there's going to be some people who might be higher level who might still be somewhat socially and you know socially aligned. So let's just say that between people who can cast it a bunch of times, people who aren't willing to cast more than once. Let's just say, on average, you're able to get 2,000 berries instead of just the 500. So, 200 castings instead of just the 50. 2,000 people in a city of 10,000. That is one-fifth the population of the city that would no longer need to purchase food. Now, Nathan, can you tell me any societal implications of such a number?
2: Everyone's fine, everyone's happy, and we're all gonna be fine. There's no more war. I get cheesecake. It's great. (laughs) Okay, Nathan. (laughs) But, yeah. Anyway.
3: So, the other thing is, though... Think about also, in terms of war, this implies that you can feed one fifth of your entire population with half a percent of the population devoted to food. so if you were to be in like an actual like big d and d war kind of scenario, it's not hard to like just crank up the numbers. Imagine if you do get a bunch more people you know, to get ranger training from, you know, the people who are available. And let's say that you are just like training up your forces to just like be ready. We were feeding one fifth of the population with 0.1% or with half a percent casting. But so if you actually do just crank that up a bit, do you have any idea what percentage of people actually used to be devoted to farming to feed people? Like 80%? Something like that. 70%, 80%, that's not out of the ordinary. Yeah. So imagine if with less than 5% using magical means and Goodberry, you are able to feed your entire population with complete nutrition without having a resource that enemies can cut off if they're within the wall city.
2: You Uh gotta consider the fact that, you know, some of these berries are gonna get thrown by the wayside because some people don't like how the skin looks, and they're gonna waste it, even though it's perfectly edible. Okay,
3: that's why I said 5%. That is 10 (laughs) times the amount, which would mean we would have double the berries necessary for the entire city with 5%. So fuck you, Nathan, I already knew you'd say some bullshit like that. So with 5% of the population then casting Goodberries, you would be able to do that. Which, again, if you just had, uh, you know, some percentage of people trained to use, to learn Magic Initiate. So even if it's not using full class levels, but just a feat, just to get that one casting of the spell, that would be enough. If you had, you know, some quantity of Magic using Halflings with the Mark of Hospitality. Again, that scales up massively. So it is really not hard in a medium to high magic D world to replace all food production with good berry and yeah there's gonna be people who don't want to there's gonna be assholes like you who complain about the look or taste of the berries whatever those assholes can pay for food i don't care <laughs> but if you have the ability to feed everyone like, just imagine how that changes a society if this happens not in wartime. So if you do have a magical city not at war, but again, with adequate, you know, magic training available, then what does a society do when you don't have to farm anymore? It, or as much becomes, I should say.
2: It becomes weak. Remember, Nathan, you gotta stick to your farms. No. so communism. <laughs> what? I don't know. <laughs> I was not expecting that. Something. <laughs> Come on, Nathan, seriously. I mean, uh, I mean, historically speaking, um, less farming means more, um, but, Like, you're be- better able to specialize into other things that can improve your society.
3: Exactly. And in a D&D world, what's that likely to be?
2: Magic. Magic!
0: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator
3: So this is the kind of thing that like could be a historical event that led to the modernization of magic. This could be the thing that like leads to like the more steampunk era of D&D because all of a sudden there's just less farming needed to sustain a population. You know, there would there also something to think about again, like homelessness is a problem that has existed for all of human history. So having Perfect nutrition can be a rather significant factor to help people improve their lives when they are temporarily down under their luck to improve their lives. I mean, and even if you go with the incredible like dickish assumptions that like homeless people are responsible for some amount of crimes like then. Even if you believe in that argument, then that would mean that there would be crime reduction by having people fed. There would be a lot of health issue it would just get reduced for everybody. There would be less obesity if there are, you know, less just excessive consumptions of food. So many health issues across all stratas of economics just are improved by not needing to pay for food anymore. It is It is literally world-changing if you just have some percentage of people able to cast Goodberry. Now, though, I'm going to go farther, because of course I am. Whoa! (laughs) So, tell me, Nathan, have you ever heard of an item called the Candle of Invocation? No. (laughs) It is an incredibly unknown magic item for the most part, but... Absolutely insane with what it is able to do, so first off, it is a very rare magic item, so it is definitely not a cheap thing to exist. However, it is a consumable magic item which does cut that price in half. so the downside it is dedicated to a deity, it shares that alignment yada yada yada, the gm chooses the god in alignment, yada yada yada. I don't care about that part. For the sake of argument, let's just say that it is set to just be neutral good. So, er well, let's see, which would be more? Let's actually, let's say lawful neutral. So let's just go with like the uh, the judge alignment, lawful neutral. They are just in it for the betterment of society. So let's just say it's lawful neutral. Here's what it does. The candle's magic is activated when the candle's lit, which requires an action. After burning for four hours, the candle is destroyed. You can snuff it out early for use at a later time. Deduct the time it burned in increments of one minute from the candle's total burn time. So, do you see something cheesable just from that? Just don't use it for a full minute. Well, no, no, no. It It <laughs> is in increments of a minute, but for four uh. hours. So that means then that, again, if you do just use it for one minute at a time you can use it 240 times you for can use one a... single candle
2: i mean like you can use it like for- forever man that's there's a lot of it's a lot of uses
3: but now let me actually tell you what the thing does while lit the candle sheds dim light in a 30 foot radius any creature within that light whose alignment matches that of a candle makes attack roll, saving throws and ability checks with advantage in addition a cleric or druid in the light whose alignment matches the candles can cast first level spells they have prepared without expending spell slots, though the spell's effect is as if cast with a first level spell slot.
2: I see. Do you? you cool. Do you? Tell me how this influences Goodberry. I mean, uh, you just kind of can cast Um, how, how many seconds? 60 seconds per minute? So there's uh, 10 times. So yes. 10 times of Goodberry, that's... 10 times 10, which is a lot. Yes. So each individual caster who is in this
3: light is able to cast Goodberry 10 times because, again, it's a cleric or druid in the light with a matching alignment. So for the sake of argument, let's just say that there is some combination of halfling hospitality clerics, uh, people with magic initiate druid, just enough people to count for the sake of this. I'm not going to worry too much about the logistics of it at this point in time. But each individual who is in this candle's light can create 100 goodberries per minute of this candle's use. However, what is important to keep in mind here, it sheds light in a 30-foot radius. Now, what does that tell you, Nathan?
2: A 30-foot radius, so that's 60 feet by 60 feet. So five feet is one square. Mm-hmm. So five... I, I can't do the math anymore. Twelve squares by lot. twelve squares
3: <laughs> would be the squares version. So this is going to be a circle, though, because it is light. Right. So the thing is, twelve squares by twelve squares would be 144 a squares. So right. shaving off the corners, let's just round it down, purposefully right. down, to a hundred okay. for math's sake. Math! So theoretically, if you had a hundred people in those squares surrounding this candle, 100 people creating 100 berries per minute. 10,000 berries a minute when this candle is in use. For one of the 240 uses.
2: I, I think I-, I know what the candle smells like. <laughs> berries? No, bullshit. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <sighs> so, yeah. However... Just for maximum cheese, because of course, something else to keep in mind. Well, actually, two things more to keep in mind. Number one, people can squeeze closer together. Like the whole five foot square thing in D anD D is that that is the area that you are threatening.
2: Remy, I-, I didn't know you were the kind of person who liked big crowds and squeezing up together. I am not.
3: <laughs> I am not at all. However. If I was a person designing city logistics, I would absolutely make other people deal with it. It doesn't mean that I have to. So I actually did some research on crowd density, figuring out how many people can squish together in a viable amount of space. Like how big and how tightly packed are crowds at various events? So like how how much can you squish people together before they revolt for all intents and purposes? So. There's a couple different answers to that. The easy one would be having four people per square, and that is still relatively spread out. You're in a crowd, but no one is touching each other, and that's fine. So then that would take you from 10,000 berries to 40,000 berries a minute. Or you can squish more. Theoretically, if you really wanted to just pack people like sardines into the available space, you can fit up to ten people in a square, which would mean you would have one hundred thousand berries per minute. Whoa! So, do you see why I say that this is world breaking?
2: No, not at all. It seems perfectly fine, perfectly normal, not relative, right. just single. I'll go thing. farther then. <laughs> I'll go farther then
3: because. The light shines in a 30 foot radius, which means it is not, in fact, a circle, but a sphere. So, it being a sphere means that you can start including elevation. Now, I am not going to take this to the purest form of squishing humans into a sphere. Instead, I will simply say that glass levels are constructed for people to stand not on.
2: Ready. Make it a horrid mess.
3: (laughs) Please. No. Please, Remy. (laughs) I figure that it would not be terribly difficult to have the main level with the 30-foot reach, but then above that, you might be able to squeeze half as many, and then half as many of that above, and then mirrored down below. So, all told, even if you only have the minimum spacing, my calculations come out to... If you have the whole four people per square, so the not sardine one even, that will take the 40,000 up to 100,000. And if you did the sardines on every level, that would take that 100,000 and turn it into 250,000 berries per minute of the candle's
2: use. (laughs) Those candles better resented something nice. (laughs) And again, this is
3: only with one. So it's hilarious to think about because the downside of the berry that they can only get used within 24 hours means that theoretically, like unless you have a city of 250,000 people, one minute of use is going to produce excess berries, most likely. So just to give the number for people who do want it. So I did mention that it's 240 uses. So theoretically, then, that means with max sardine, with levels stacked up, with all 240 uses, one candle of invocation, complete four hours of use, would create 60
2: million berries. Remy, I just figured out something. Uh Have you ever seen one of those videos of like a chugging chicken factory when they make eggs? Yeah. Can you imagine (laughs) doing that to people for the sake of berries? Yes. (laughs) Uh,
3: Yeah, theoretically, the numbers that I have all given, even with that sardine level, you could theoretically pack in a few more people to become just very, very, very uncomfortable with the whole thing. But that seemed like a maximum reasonable amount to stop because that is... A level that certain crowded concerts and events can get to. So it is a known amount that humans are able to deal with for short periods of time. And again, this would only be necessary for one minute at a time. Because one minute of just this level of squish on all levels, again, creates 250,000 good berries with one very
2: rare magic item using one Wait, of its uh, uh, two hundred and forty uses. Uh, Wait, uh, real quick, real quick question. Uh, Goodberry is it uh-huh. verbal, somatic, so and so forth? Ah, good question actually.
3: Uh, yes, it is. So it is verbal, somatic, and requires a sprig of mistletoe for a material component. Although that can be replaced by like a wand, staff, and any other such spellcasting focus. Man. Verbal, so-
2: yeah. Because I was thinking, if it was just verbal, you could just like have some disembodied heads that well kept alive by magic and then stack them all up that seems like that would be more expensive to maintain though
3: yeah but like then you could have even more production <laughs> so again though thinking about in even if you did have like let's say you have an apocalyptic D game where there's just a handful of just massively walled cities like attack on titan style where you just have these few bastions of light left in the world, which is how D&D is described a lot of the time. So you can buy rules as written. That's the hilarious thing here. Everything that I have just said, except for a little bit of potential cheese with the magic initiate feat, but everything else is 100% rules as written. The use of candle of invocation the use of the goodberry spell itself everything regarding that is rules as written completely i'm not even bending the rules with those aspects of things so it, by rules as written you can use goodberries to feed the world so again though i want to think about the implications of such so again we i mentioned it earlier but nathan i want you to actually think about it what kinds of effects could this have uh, better healthcare. Yeah, because again, it is worth thinking about. All of these berries can heal one hit point. So what would you have a city do that did this and had excess berries? So I, I would-
2: I would get the warrior, his name would be called the Berry Man, and then he would have this like weird construction with tubes feeding into his mouth. And uh, whenever (laughs) he gets hurt, a a, a berry is inserted into his mouth. So he's unstoppable, as long as you don't one-shot him.
3: (laughs) Well, there is a bit of a problem with that. No! Which is, the good berry spell does specifically say a creature can use its action to eat one berry. Uh,
2: that
3: sad. Nice try, Nathan.
2: It voices itself down his throat, so it's not him taking the action.
3: <laughs> You're a DM, so you are within your rights to rule it that the way. The berry man that's shall be. is all shit. <laughs> the berry man will happen someday. So, something else to consider though. Like, adventuring is a dangerous life, and Mm -hmm. especially at low levels, partially because of finite magic, finite healing at low levels. Imagine if you do, though, have a city, let's even say it's a massive city, of 200,000 people. Everybody gets their daily good berry, but that still leaves 50,000 excess berries. With 50,000 berries... Imagine if every single low-level adventurer, every single day, just was given ten good berries.
2: Why? Why would you give it? Like I, I would say, use that. Um, uh, any additional amount, sell them at a reasonable price but enough Southern so to, that ooh,
3: everybody gets a berry in your city
2: yeah no no because here's the thing is that you can still use them to heal and you use they still last a day so like you can't charge a massive amount for them but yeah it will charge something and that way you can recoup some of the costs from the production because that is an aspect isn't it potentially
3: so it's interesting to think about like how does a city do this so it would have to well, it would not have to, but you would think that it would be something nationalized by the city. So the city would pay for the Candle of Invocation. It would be something along the lines of maybe every individual who participates in that one minute squish of casting. Like maybe they get like a tax break of some kind and that's their benefit. But the city doesn't have to actually pay them to do it. So that becomes a win win. So you get the people to do the casting for, you know, free from your perspective, you know, just a minor tax break that makes it worth it from their perspective. So again, win-win. But again, like 200,000 people in a city, 50,000 excess berries, like you can have like 10,000 kept in case there is some kind of like massive catastrophe in the center of the city. You could still have like 10 berries to every single adventure, like especially Think about if you had some kind of, you know, guild system in this place. So uh, let's say that, you know, the guild is also run by the city. So all of the income, all of the renown that is succeeded by adventurers reflects on the city itself as they are the ones in charge of the guild. It is easy for a city to make massive amounts of gold just from the lives saved. Because think about it. High level adventurers... Come from low level adventurers that survive. If you have a city with a massively reduced death rate of low level adventurers, over time you are just going to have way more high level adventurers just because they don't die young. And it's so easy for a city to do this. It just takes that one magic item to start it. And again, 240 uses, which means, okay. So that's about two-thirds of a year if you did it once a day. So, okay, so there's time then for someone to be hired to make a new candle. There is time for low-level adventurers to become, like, not one-hit kills. Because, again, two-thirds of a year in D&D is actually a pretty significant amount of time for adventuring. So that is relatively easily enough time for like, let's say they're even modest about the quests that such adventurers take. Like, let's just say they advance three levels in that chunk of time. That is three levels. So people would now be level four, which would mean, okay, these people qualify for a feat. You might have more people that decide to take Magic Initiate so that they could get the tax break. You might have someone take a level in Druid so that they could qualify for that tax break. I mean, honestly, you might just have a lot more people picking Druid in general just for the survivability, the tax benefits. Like, you might have Druidism like, go away from the connection to the wilderness, theoretically, like, if that is something you might allow to happen in the world, that, like, you there might become, like, druids of civilization, like, being more of a thing. And that it is just, like, the living city is, like, the thing that they are connected to. Like, it is massive to imagine just so many things changing in a world where this happens. Also, like, let's just say that, You know, a lot of places don't have assholes like me who think of these things. How would you as a neighbor react to a neighboring city that within a year just suddenly seems to have thousands more adventurers being your neighbor there? How would that make you feel? I don't know. Well, if you look at human history in this world, most of the time, if you suddenly see your neighbor doing really well you will assume, fuck those assholes. I want my people to be doing better than them. Let's kill them. Or you think, oh shit, they're gearing up for war. Let's kill them. Either way, it's rarely good intentions. Sounds fun. So even if you did make use of th- this is the kind of thing that like may well be just in your d world. d history even. Like, maybe it's something that's happening now, but again, even it was back in the day. Because part of the lore of D&D is that there have been various civilizations that rise and fall, and it is something that would be rather amusing to me to have... An ancient tomb that tells the tale of the Berry Brigade. An ancient civilization that weaponized the power of Goodberry to make them the most powerful empire in the land. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rifts and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. Tiers start as low as a dollar, and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to the monthly hangout where you'll be able to chat with the cast, and even input on Riffs and Rules topics. Find us on social media, on Twitter, at Podcast on Facebook as RiftWake, on Reddit on the subreddit, r slash Podcast, and you can send us an email, RiftWakePodcast at gmail.com.
2: And that's it for today.
0: Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FBP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more
1: great deals.